to take a seat. So, Book of Hebrews, I love it. We're going to play a little game very quickly, uh, whiteboards in hand. Uh, I just want to ask you, what is the number one advert YouTube has been playing to me over the last few days? What is the advert trying to do? What's it selling? Okay, you got, you got 10 seconds. What does YouTube think I desperately need? A punch bag. <laughs> Working with your dad. Um, there we go. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Okay. Haircuts. Oh. How to be British. Cats. Oh, what's that? Tools? Tools. Okay. Oh, I can't see that on the back. Insurance. Oh, okay. A VPN. Okay. There we go. Cat food. Now, will it... Uh, oh, what was that? Oh, she doesn't have YouTube. She doesn't have because she's got a loving parent, so that's great. Okay, um, now, the number one advert that keeps coming back is about weight loss. Okay? I am not joking. This is what happens when you turn off your personalized ads and YouTube can't save your, uh, your cookies. Okay? But I wonder, <laughs> what is it that makes something like a diet, which they think I need, successful? Right? Uh, how is it that you can be so changed? Well, I think one of the clues is you've got to really believe in it. Do you think? You've got to really know that if you eat this or don't eat that or, you know, slimming world, if you stick with 15 sins, S-Y-N, for some reason, a day, then you will lose weight or something like that. Okay? Um, I'm not going to comment on whether it works or not. But the effectiveness of something often is in how much you believe in it, isn't it? You don't just do rules for whatever reason. Unless you're someone who likes to be safe in following rules, but you've got to believe in them somehow. Now, one of the things that I don't like is when doctors say things like, Tiago, it is not good for your cholesterol to eat donuts for breakfast daily. Okay? Now, I had a friend actually who was told by a doctor, you cannot be eating deep fried food for breakfast because he was about 15 and he was on the verge of a heart attack. So now he did not like those news still, but here's something that is interesting. Although I hate that truth, through my wife's good eating habits, I no longer eat just ready-made meals or something out of a tin all the time, and I don't have sugar in my coffee, and I feel happier, healthier, and I exercise more as a result. Now, why am I telling you this? If I didn't believe that there was a benefit to sticking with healthy eating, I just wouldn't do it, okay? But what happens if all you've ever known, like my friend, is deep-fried, fatty stuff? Well, what can happen is, his life might change if his taste buds come into contact with a supreme example of the Maillard reaction in a seared steak accompanied by creamy peppercorn sauce. I tell you what, if he eats that, his life is not the same. And what we're going to see in the book of Hebrews is not only is Jesus better than anything else we can put alongside him in comparison, but all of our longings and deepest desires, even though we run after things that we think will fulfill, when we see through our desires and beyond, we see Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of all of our desires. I love that, because then 
for the Hebrews, as much as now, we need to be reminded. So the big idea then is Jesus is better then. And I think that's something that we can connect with. I think that's something our friends can connect with as we try and answer, why won't they bother with Jesus? We try and answer that question. And often, it's because they don't see the difference that it can make uh, to be loved by Jesus. So let's think about that. Um, that's how we do things like shopping. I don't know about you, but what, I only buy something, really, if I've been able to compare prices online, if I've been able to watch umpteen unboxing, unboxing reviews. Yeah, some of us, that's, that's what you do, okay? Especially if you're my generation or younger. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Um, if I sleep on it, and only then make my purchase, then I rest assured that that was the best I could have done with the knowledge that I have. Now, how do we bring that to Jesus? I think if you ask the same questions that you do for everything else that you compare of the person of Jesus, say, for example, how does it make me feel? It's one of the things that we put into account when we're going to buy something. Does it jar with my experience of the world? I remember having a conversation uh, at a toddler group a few years ago with a mother who was uh, a Buddhist, British Buddhist, and she was explaining to me that the goal of her religion is that she will not have any desires anymore. She's there sitting with a toddler, and I said, do you love him? Do you desire his good? She said, yes. And I said, so your faith is actively trying to erase that love? Is that a desire? She said, yes. And the mind just boggled at that point uh, because I was like, how can you not see the contradiction? So how does it make us feel about a faith like that? It makes me feel terrible. How persuasive is it? Is it something I actually need? Again, we come and ask those questions of Jesus and we come away with this big thought. We find not only is he someone we want to bother with and our friends will, but they didn't know it until they uh, meet him face-to-face, often in your life. And so the, book, the message of the book of Hebrews that we're going to see is precisely that. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him, and you will see that he is better. Don't give up. Carry on. But as we talk about Hebrews, let's have a little context then. As you have the book of Hebrews open uh, for us to check things, you will see that probably they were Jewish Christians out of Judaism and into the Jesus that their Judaism pointed Two, in all of the Old Testament promises of God. But in practice, if you leave all that stuff behind, and everyone that you know, your friends, your family perhaps even, are still in it, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard being reminded constantly of how you used to approach God before you met Jesus, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. You've got this massive temple okay, in your city, that people are looking at, just kind of towers over you, very prominent, you can't escape it. Not only that, but you remember that when you used to be a Jew, everything was very physical, very visible. Okay, there was this temple, there were special garments, okay, and that made it really special while you're there. It was pregnant with meaning. There were uh, sacrifices and priests. There was a national identity around a geographical place, it was an ethnicity. And then you move on to faith with Christ and you, you learn that you can engage with God anywhere. You don't need the temple. Christ is your ultimate, final, all-sufficient sacrifice. But there's still that pressure of all of the Jews that never became Christians 
and they're living a completely different life. Imagine going from everything that is all visible, fireworks, it's, it's smoke machines, it's, you know, it's like it's exciting, to look around. You're sitting in a room here with me. If you're a Christian, you're worshiping Jesus, but there's no smoke machines. It's like that time that you went to a church and there were 13 guitars with effects, pedals, and smoke machines, and a drum kit encased in purse packs, and you were like, yeah, you know. And then you came to Walton, and you, and you sat on your seat and look at each other. There's not even anybody doing this. You know what I mean? Uh, I mean, sometimes I get up to here. This is sort of, you know, and that's okay. And that's okay. But can you imagine how they could be asking themselves, have I made the right choice to follow Jesus? Could Jesus not have been like the other messiahs? And at that time, they were most tempted to take something that God had given, which was good, and separate it from God and elevate it. And they did that with angels. Which is probably why Hebrews chapter 1 is all about how Jesus is better than angels. And our culture does that today with, not angels, but spirituality. They might take all of the benefits and blessings that come from a life that God gives and say, you can have it without God. Let me show you how. So that's what we're going to talk about, how you and I need to be encouraged. We need to see how. Some of these feel-good thoughts and worldviews, apart from God, are not better than the God of the Bible. They're not better than Jesus. And we start by thinking about angels, because that's where the author is in chapter 1. Did you know that according to a poll commissioned by the Bible Society, one in three people in the UK believe in angels? Did you know that? One in three. Think about other people that you know. Uh, according to uh, Manchester University's British Religion and Numbers, they say that throughout all the time that they've been polling people, it's only been increasing the number of people who believe in spiritual things like angels. But how does that work if you live in a secular, increasingly secular society? So no belief in God, but at the same time, belief in angels. I think one of the reasons is because we are doing what the Hebrews were tempted to do in chapter 1. Take something that God gives... Angels were servants of God, as we'll see. Divorce it from him and think we can get the benefits of a life he gives without him. That's why um, atheist uh, Alan de Botton, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I want to say Alan de Bottom, but that doesn't sound right. He says this. It is when we stop believing that religions have been handed down from above that we can recognize we invented religions for two purposes. One so that we can live together as communities in harmony, despite our deeply rooted selfish and violent impulses, and second, because of the need to cope with terrifying degrees of pain. Now, he says, God may be dead, but the urgent issues which impelled us to make him up still stir and demand solutions which do not go away. And I'm thinking, man, you're crying out for God to be real, and you just don't know it. And in a similar way, Hebrews chapter 1 says, before you diminish this Jesus, let me tell you about him. So what are these angels all about? Now, on the, on the face of it, they seem like really impressive beings. That when you think about them, and as you read about them in the Old Testament, people meet them, they're frightened. In Revelation, John meets one and falls down and wants to worship it. It's hard for these guys, first century, to kind of go, yeah, Jesus is better. Just like it's hard for you and I as Christians today 
to go, why is Jesus better than just doing what I feel is right? Or making up my own identity? How is Jesus better than that? How can Jesus be better than expressing my sexuality however I want, with whoever I want, at whatever age I want? How can Jesus be better than that? Again, I think that taking a long look at Christ is going to show us that he is more satisfying than any, any other feel-good ideas. So let's have a look at that. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to have your Bible open in front of you, and then I'm going to reference verses. You're going to look at them and see whether what I'm saying really comes from them or not. Because angels are awesome. Yes, they are. But Jesus is better. And we're going to see Jesus is better because of his identity. Okay? So Jesus is better than angels because of his identity. Look at verse 2. Angel, from the Hebrew word, messenger. Well, if they're messengers, what does that make you? Well, Jesus is the message. In the final days, God has spoken, not through the prophets, but through his Son. Angels are created. But what is Jesus? He's the heir of all things. He owns angels. I love that. Even they belong to Jesus. You think of angels and by obeying God, you can see some of God's goodness because they do good stuff at God's bidding. But we see Jesus reveal God in a much superior way because he is God. It's like this. It says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. You look at Jesus, you see God because he is God. I mean, look at this, look at this wonderful lady. Look at her little cheeks, right? How plump and, and gentle. Now, you can look at that coin, but you're not going to see how rosy her cheeks are. Beautiful queen of ours. See, I'm already, if you're home office, if you're watching, I'm pledging allegiance already. So do give me citizenship when I, when I ask for it in a few months' time. But that's not the same as seeing face to face. Look at the profile before, after, before, after. Beautiful. Um, that's not the same as meeting her face to face, looking at a coin. Now, before, through the prophets, you will have seen, you will have heard about God and his goodness, his, his grace. John chapter 1, Jesus turns up, you see God in the flesh. Absolutely no comparison. It's kind of like hearing about the sun's existence. The sun is out there, but then one day you experience the sun's rays on your skin and you're never going back to imagining. This is the Jesus that Christians worship. Radiance of God's glory. In verse 3, uh, the angels are the ones who affirm God's plan. But Jesus is the one who comes and he does it. He accomplishes it. Through his blood he purifies. So much so that he sat down. It says there in verse 3, doesn't it? He's accomplished. It's finished, which is why he's sitting down. Angels are creatures. But he, the son, I mean, he's He's family. There's one family here that I shall leave unnamed, but I have realized this. Uh, in my darkest thoughts, I just, I just want to prank them because they always leave their doors open <laughs> of their house. And I just want to walk in there and just uh, do something, throw something in the house. Now, don't, don't worry about how I know that. I haven't been trying your doors, um, all of you, even though your address is in the directory. But here's why it would be weird for me to try every door and try and walk in, not just because, you know, COVID guidelines, but I'm not family. Like if I were your son or daughter, it's normal for me to come into your house. There is a closeness that only family experiences. There's a freedom and intimacy. And here is Jesus, the 
son, the son. The highest compliment in the Jewish mind that people saw Jesus receive and said, claim for himself and said, that's blasphemy. Can't do that. And so there's that reference to 2 Samuel 7.14 where God says to David, you're going to have a descendant that I will be his father. He will be my son. That's quoted there because Jesus fulfills all of the Old Testament expectations and all of our deepest expectations and desires. Really, it's like, it's like the person who's only ever experienced cream crackers all of his life having that seared steak. You're not going back. There's nothing better. Perhaps I do need to apologize for comparing Jesus' identity to a steak. But Jesus' identity is better. If you're taking notes, Jesus' worth and authority are better than the angels. Verses 6 and 7, he was born to be worshipped. He's worthy of worship. That's why the author says, let God's angels worship him. Now, who's this bloke? Do you know? You don't, you're British. Oh, British children and young people, come on. Any of the young people here? Wow, that's amazing. Yes, it is Prince Charles. You know, I, I was just thinking, oh, I'm getting to know a whole new way here, a whole new generation that are definitely not royalists in any way. But Prince Charles is the next in line to the throne. I mean, he, he exists, and just by his existing and being in line to the throne, the British public, if I was side by side to him, they would think he is of more, of greater worth than me. There's no, no bodyguards trying to protect me, okay? Amazingly, when we look at the person of Jesus who was born king of the universe, he's of infinitely greater worth than anybody. So much so, angels worship him before his birth. Remember John 17, where Jesus says, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you way back before the world existed. He's the master, the other servants. In the next few verses, verses 8 to 13, he's worthy because he rules with authority. He has this kingdom that is eternal. It's going to outlast all of these other false kingdoms, ideas, and worldviews. And we're going to remember that when we apply this in a minute. He loves righteousness. He's a just king. And therefore, he's pure. On his throne, a scepter of justice he holds on to. Now, from everywhere in the world, and from inside your own homes, if you have kids, everyone cries at some point, injustice, unfairness. And yet, this king guarantees now and forever that under the graciousness of God, everyone gets what they need now, and they will get what his gracious heart gives in eternity. Verse 12 you don't need to be afraid that maybe tomorrow, like many of our friends or family or even like we've been to other people, you're not going to wake up and then all of a sudden this God is someone different. Gets sick of you. You see that? You remain the same. And you summarize the whole chapter, of which this was a quick overview. Verse 14. Summarize Jesus being better then. Well, here we go. He's the king. The angels serve him and whoever he desires. All Christians is who they serve. 
So what about us today? Here's the challenge that we're going to have in the next few minutes. To look through the desires that we have and that our culture has and to see how Jesus being better speaks into those situations. So here's one, uh, one quick thing that we're easily impressed by and easily, uh, and is easily, easily believed. Don't deny your feelings, but do whatever you feel like. As a matter of fact, that's who you are. That's who you choose to be. Who you are is who you choose to be. That's like spirituality, angels, apart from God. Does that work? I mean, we have many people here who are part of Generation Z and who are millennials like me. We are among some of the most unhappy. And yet we live by that mantra. Our friends long for not only that, but for being happy because of their personal, because of their body image, their appearance, because they long to have sexual intimacy at all costs, and they long to have that as the thing that is better, that's the best. And yet, from verse 6 on, Jesus' identity as the one to be worshipped, as the majestic creator, when we look to him, and we look to him and see in verse 5, he is the son of the father. What does he want to do? He says, my identity as the son, I want to include you in and make you a son and a daughter. You are family. And here's what happens when you are family. You begin to learn that if you have the son, he is all you need and he has all you need. And then he begins to teach you. How can you talk to yourself when you feel like worshipping all of these other things? Well, we're going to see at least four quick areas. That Jesus is better than our culture's ideas around sexuality, around self-worth. Jesus is better than our culture's ideas around satisfaction and around security. Here's an example. Our culture says that it's okay for me to watch people undress in whatever I watch. Our culture says that it's okay for me to lust after people. The reality is, I remember being a teenager uh, before I was a Christian and realizing how living by that, I should just follow whatever sexual desire I had, didn't feel like freedom at all. It was painful. And as a matter of fact, addiction to pornography was painful and devastating to my friendships and to my other relationships. And the reason for that is because lust promises intimacy, but delivers relationships where you're constantly auditioning. You're proving yourself. Am I pretty enough? Am I, am I sexy enough? And we look at the son and his father, and we say to that person, hey, you desire intimacy? That's a good desire. That's a good desire. Bring it to Jesus who says, those, those people who say that intimacy is all about sex, they're, they're wrong. Come and experience intimacy in the family and community that I can rescue into and you will know freedom. You will know contentment whether you're single or not. And now that I have my new identity as a son of God, I experience this intimacy with God. I look back and I'm tempted, perhaps, uh, by looking at someone outside my marriage, clicking somewhere I shouldn't. And I quickly am able to remind myself, 
the relationship I have now with God and the relationship He has produced in my marriage because of the intimacy I have with Him so much better. It's not worth giving up. Therefore, Jesus is better than anything else. Now, which of our friends wouldn't long to have a friendship where you're not constantly auditioning for your place in the friendship? A love relationship that they can see. You're not constantly earning your place with your appearance, with going to the gym enough times, with your jokes and being funny. So I would want to bother with Jesus if I saw in someone else's life that degree of intimacy. And here's a challenge for you and for me. The best way that people who don't know Jesus can see that Jesus is better than is when they see that intimacy portrayed in our friendships. Is my friendship a portrayal of that forgiving, honest, open relationship that I have with God? Because if it is, that could be something they look at and go, I want that. Is my dating life like that? Is my marriage like that for others to see? And therefore, Jesus is better than our culture's ideas of sexuality. But what about self-worth? Because we said that Jesus is worthy of our worship. What happens when we worship something or someone other than God? Now, I think at the very least we're deceived, just like these people. Have a look at this. This is what someone has uh, posted, you know. I was just looking stuff up on the internet, and someone posted what's on the, on the top there. In a relationship with, you know, Vittoria. And it's like, picture this beautiful, you know, woman. And uh, you, like me, will have friends who post something on social media, and you go, man, I, my life is so rubbish. Look at them. They're on the beach somewhere, you know. Coronavirus times, they got stranded, but they got stranded in the Canary Islands. So, yeah, I don't know, like whatever. It looks better. But if we worship anything other than God, we can be deceived. Here's the next post, the first comment in that thread. Someone went to a model agency website and discovered that that picture is straight from that, from models.com. That dude was just faking it. But you would have never known. Somebody posted this where it says, five years ago, I started an exciting new journey. I've achieved my dream. I purchased this, cash, this car with cash. And you're like, man, I don't earn enough, never will. Like my self-worth, gone down. And then what do you think is the first post? Wikipedia page. That's the first picture on that Wikipedia page, that car. That's not the dude's real car. Once you believe that Jesus is better than and you believe the gospel, what it says about us, you know everyone is insecure. Everyone is flawed. But how freeing is it to be able to know this king, pure, just, uses his purity, his justice, his strength and power to die for my sins so that I can be fam family. Excuse me. That frees me to be honest about who I am. And our friends can see that, and they want that. One of the first questions that the elders asked me when I was my interviewing process um, just under two years ago, I sat down. It's quite taken aback, actually. I don't know what you think of this, but they went, okay, if tomorrow you were to become a very negative news headline so that we know how to love you and how to keep you accountable, what would be the reason? What would be your biggest struggle? Would it be 
wealth, wine, women. I'm like, man, that is a, that is a up close and personal question, right? The only reason I could have been honest about that is if I had known my king already knows how broken I am. And the intimacy I have with him leads me to be able to be open and honest with others. And that is a winsome, attractive feature that others would look in and go, I want this Jesus who was better than your reputation. Love that. But there we go. So we're easily impressed by these things. We think a little bit. We see Jesus is better. Better than our culture's ideas of self-worth. Better than our culture's ideas of satisfaction. Now, one of the things that I find difficult being a millennial is uh, I, I do fit that statistic very well that says if you're not making a difference in your job within six months, you need to quit. You know? And I'm like, a year and a half in, I'm like, Andy, man, maybe I'm not called into the ministry because 100 people didn't become Christians <laughs> or something like that. You know? And some of you can identify with that. That's what our culture's promise is, F- failing. You'll find fulfillment when you do what you love. No. Here's the reality. When I ask my desire to make a difference, why is Jesus better than the culture's ideas of work and satisfaction? Well, because I serve an eternal king who says, me being a son, everything I do for him is of eternal significance. That makes a huge difference. If my fulfillment is from my boss's recognition or making a difference, I can always remind myself, I know that my everyday life has eternal consequences. And even if my job doesn't feel good sometimes, God is growing me. And that allows me to carry on joyfully. Lastly, very quickly, our ideas of security. Now I look around this room and I see the number of people who are a little bit older than me, they own a house. <laughs> that's, that's an absolute laugh, you know. They own a house. Um, they have savings, like probably good savings. You know, those of you who have been honest with me and have told me that you have savings. They might have kids and, and, and pretty kids. Not just kids that I could be like, yeah, but they're ugly though. Like, you know, like pretty kids and, and intelligent kids. And I look at that and I just think, I'm hopeless. Like, I can think that sometimes. But because Jesus is better than any other security that I can find, I go, you know what? He provides the king who organizes his kingdom perfectly. I can tell myself he provides all that I need to live a life that is full in him. His kingdom Hebrews chapter 1 says, will outlast a house, will outlast any other thing I can set my heart on. That's not the Lord. So Jesus, better than our culture's ideas, all of these things, sexuality, self-worth, satisfaction, security, Jesus is better than. I'll rest my case. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to be in the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be thinking a little bit more about that. But just to summarize, these Jewish Christians, struggling, come out of Judaism. 
uh, out of something that's visible, smoke machines and all of this stuff, and into something that seems simple, but when you look a little bit more deep, you see Jesus is better than. You're in the right place if you're a believer. And so when you ask, why should my friends bother with Jesus? Because they see in your life and mine throughout the course of our friendship that actually following Jesus really, really is worth it. Let's pray now. Just give you a moment to come to the Lord and think about these questions that I'm going to say right now just for a few seconds before I pray. Here they are. Think about them and pray through them. Have you lost your awe of this Christ who is better than anything? Is there something now that is really trying to be better than Christ in your life that you're easily impressed by? Think about that and pray through that for a second. Lord Jesus, we, we come to you and we have to confess that it's very easy for us Christians who have been loved by you and who know your forgiving uh, grace to put something else in your place, to be discontent, to be dissatisfied. And we need this reminder like we need a tonic, like we need medicine. Remind us that really you are better than if there are other things that we haven't mentioned yet, but we'll mention in the next few weeks, help us to be thinking constantly, writing it down, journaling, discussing with each other, asking each other questions. How is Jesus better than this? Careerism, reputation, than this friendship, than this relationship that I'd really love to have and idolize. Teach us, please, Father, through the book of Hebrews, how we are just in the right place if we have been rescued by you and we have everything that we need in this king whose kingdom will never end. Help our friends and family who don't know you to see that, to be attracted to it in our lives as you change us. In Jesus' name we thank you, O Father. Amen.